And I'm talking about the good, the bad, the ugly. When I look at the goings on of the world, I, can help, I cannot help but think that God is up to something so unimaginably good that our minds can't even comprehend. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Praise the Lord. It is so good. We want to welcome you to Victorious Life Christian Center this morning. If this is your first time with us, whether you are are in the sanctuary or whether you're watching uh, by video somewhere around the world, it is awesome to have you with us sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I saw a post that I had to respond to. I don't, know, I don't often respond to Facebook postings. Folks, just, just frankly, there's a lot of stuff that get posted on Facebook that has no business being posted on Facebook. Okay, I just got to get these thoughts past my head. That's what that means. I'm trying to get the thoughts out of my head real quick before they break into words. So <clears throat> let, me, let me get them gone. Uh, but the reality is I, I saw this post by A.W. Tozier, and uh, I, I, can't, I can't quote it verbatim, but maybe some of you saw it because I, I had to respond to it. And he talked about sugaring down the gospel. How many saw that post, uh, A.W. Tozier and... Uh, you know, if you can, if somebody can find it, I'd love to to read it. Uh, but I had to respond because in the hour we live, according to Second Timothy, the Bible says the people are not going to be interested in sound doctrine. They're not going to be interested any longer in what God's word says. They're going to be interested in what they feel and what they want and what they desire. And in the the course of that is pretty soon you no longer have God in church. And in the posting I wrote in there, I said, sadly, because of that hour, there are lots of churches and pastors that are, that are and I say this respectfully, because Flagstaff is full of awesome churches. Flagstaff is full of awesome, not-so-awesome churches. And the difference between the two is whether they're preaching the, the, the Word of God or not. Okay, we can get into preaching biblical theology or secular philosophy. And folks, one will get you to heaven and one will put you on a banana peel to hell. Okay, and the reality, I love, I love 
everybody, I give my heart and my life and my wife and I have given everything to be the pastors of this church, as is all of our leadership and our staff. But the reality, folks, I'm interested in filling the corridors of heaven than I am the pews of a building. I would rather have, when, when the trumpet sounds and the rapture happens, I would rather look back. If God allowed me to look back over my shoulder, I want to see Victorious Life Christian Center as a facility empty because every one of her people have taken the rapture train. What good does it do to fill the building if the hearts aren't filled? And that's what happens when all of a sudden I start changing the preaching of God's word to, to uh, philosophical desires rather than biblical mandates. And so that's, that's what it is. So I encourage you to go out and try to find that, that posting. I don't know how to do it. I, when I need to do something on Facebook, I hand my phone to my wife. Honey, what do you do? Uh, you know, if my wife's not available, my oldest grandson, what do you do? You know, our kids know more about this stuff, and that's, that's not a positive thing either, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just, uh, you know, it, it's exciting to be in God's house. We have been the last few weeks uh, talking about the goodness of God. And, and speaking of goodness, I, I do want to address our, our local body for just a second. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Only one man shouted amen. What about you, lady? Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Guys, you better be shouting. If it wasn't for her, you wouldn't be here. Well, because we have such a special event planned with the one and only Carmen uh, coming to be with us, uh, it, it is going to be exciting. We, we recommend if you are part of this body, it is first come, first serve seating. We're not saving spots, folks. Okay? So I would recommend, I know some of you all decide that you want to come in after worship. I don't understand why anybody would do that. Now, I know there's, there's some physical reasons because some people say our worship can get too loud. Well, we have worked diligently. Jeremy Vargas, are you here this morning? Jeremy, you working? And, and, and Bob Hurst back there in the back. Uh, we have worked diligently to get the sound and the the video and stuff throughout this building. So now, if you happen to come on Sunday morning, you say, well, Pastor, I want to be in worship, but you know what? It sometimes gets a little loud. The entire fellowship hall is now being piped in with video and audio. So you can go in there and worship in a very, at a lower volume and a very beautiful environment, quiet environment. Okay, and if somebody comes in, they start shouting and hollering and stuff. You say, that's in the other room. But uh, you can go over there. But I, I say this is we're going to have chairs set up in that room for the overflow. Well, folks, I have no idea. Mother's Day is one of those interesting times that it, either the church is packed out or you know, everybody's taking mom out someplace else, which is all fine either way. I would prefer everybody in church. But because of this is a special event, I encourage you, if you're a regular part of this church, come early. Because we have, we have lots of people wondering how much are the tickets. They're expecting to pay for this event. Well, folks, it's a free concert. Okay, we'll receive an offering. Okay, 
But uh, the reality is, is we need you to come early if you're part of this church. Well, pastor, I'm not going to come any earlier than I normally do. If you have to sit in the fellowship hall, then don't be upset. Or if somebody's sitting in your chair. Oh, we'll have, we'll have plenty of chairs, as many as we can. But the reality is don't be offended. Look at somebody and say they might be talking about you. Okay. So, uh, but come early and let's see God do some great things. I'm looking forward to, uh, to visiting with Carmen uh, personally and just, uh, just thanking him for all of his years of pouring God's word uh, into our lives. So he's, he is going to be here singing. He's going to be here preaching. And I tell you what, if you've never heard Carmen preach, you are in for a treat. This guy does not hold anything back. You know, I, I, I thought it was funny in, in one of the videos that we were playing a few weeks ago, he talked about people, you know, they, they, uh, they go to church and they're, they're waiting, they're waiting for the time clock because, you know, their, their, their roast might burn. And Carmen in that little video clip says, you ought to pay attention or you might burn. In Christian love. So it's going to be, it's going to be an incredible time. And, and as you heard, uh, in our video clip, uh, we are picking back up on the armor of God this week. We're starting with the shield of faith. And how many have been enjoying that and learning what the armor of God really is all about? Yes. You need, I would encourage you folks, if you want to grow, you got to go beyond Sunday morning. Okay. And Wednesday nights uh, is an incredible time because you actually get to ask questions. You can, you know, you can do different things and, and, and raise up your hand and say, hey, can I, can I ask this? And, and uh, you know, it, it's a great time of learning and growing. And there's nothing I love more, folks, than to open this Bible up. And let's see what God has to say. Folks, another thing I saw on Facebook is there's more people uh, are trying to find out um, what, what, the, what, the, uh, what they're thinking the Bible says. Let me get a little spiritual or a little... Um, uh, theological for you. That's called eisegesis, okay? Where you're trying to, to get uh, out of the Bible what you want, or you're trying to read into the Bible what you want. Exegesis is when you're trying to find what the Bible says to you, for you. And folks, we are more uh, exegetical here than we are eisegetical. I'm not interested in what, what the Bible, what you want the Bible to say. I'm interested in what the Bible says. Can somebody say Amen. Okay, here's that quote. Thank you for, for getting that for us, Eula. Oh, it's on the screen. Thank you, Lord. Bob already went and got it. <laughs> I didn't want to ask you to go find it because then, okay, but look at this. When people sugarcoat Christianity, folks, it is prevalent in the church today. It's no longer just what God said. It's what we want it to say. When we sugarcoat Christianity, arrange it all nicely, they have, in effect, taken away the cross. What Jesus has done. When we pick and choose what we like out of the Bible, thank you, Bob, so much. But leave that up there just for a second. I want you to, I want you to look at this. When we pick and choose what we like, well, I don't like that because that makes me feel uncomfortable. Do something about it. The only reason it's making you feel uncomfortable is because God's word is convicting you. 
My job is not to convict you. My job is to convince you. This is what God's word says, folks. Okay? Not my opinion, but God's word. Okay? God's job is to convict you. Your job is to do something about it. Man, I haven't even started preaching, Pastor, and it's already getting quiet in here. Let's read it again. When people sugarcoat Christianity, let me take that word people out and use another P word. When pastors sugarcoat Christianity, where they arrange it all nice and neatly, they pick and choose the things that they're going to preach on instead of doing what the Word of God says, preach the whole counsel of God. They pick and choose because they know what doesn't offend, what doesn't irritate, what doesn't, you know, cause the coffers to be challenged. Coffers are fancy words for offering baskets. Okay? Arrange it all nicely. They have, in effect, taken away the cross. I'm just letting that settle. God's goodness. You know what God is literally doing in this last hour? He's working out what he's working in. He's working out what he's working in. When I look at the goings-on of the world, and I'm talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, when I look at the goings-on of the world, I, can help, I cannot help but think that God is up to something so unimaginably good that our minds can't even comprehend. And he's going to work it together for the good. Okay, now listen to me. That doesn't mean he's going to take the bad away. See, that's that, that's that secular philosophy thing. We God only has goodness planned for you. Well, the Bible says we might have to go through a lot of badness to get to that goodness. Okay, God said, I will use it for the good. That bad thing that's been going on in your life, God said, if you let me, I'll use it for the good of your life. Why? Because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. You see, I have come to conclude, ladies and gentlemen, what we see God doing is never as good as what we don't see. I've seen God do some incredibly good things. But I, I just ask God sometimes, let me see past the veil. Let me see just a little bit further. Because I can just, I, I can just only imagine what else is going on. As I've just said, folks, there, there are difficulties. You and I will encounter daily difficulties. Struggles, many. Go through, we will. And the reality of life is that we will. We won't live in them. We will go through them. Second Corinthians, I love the way Paul puts this. He says, our light and momentary troubles. Will you take your notes? Will you underline that? I want you to think about it. Where you're at right now, you say, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. You know what God calls them? Light and momentary troubles. 
Light. Now, how many think when you're going through it, it don't feel light? And if you've been going through it any length of time, you say, in momentary, I don't see the example. I mean, not only am I born in this thing, I'm living it. But God says, light and momentary troubles. There's a purpose. They're achieving greater eternal glory that outweighs all of it. You see, I'm talking about God's goodness this morning. That's why the scripture goes on to say, so because of this, we fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen, what we're facing, what we're dealing with is temporary. But what is unseen, what is beyond the pale, what is beyond the veil, what is beyond the moment, that is eternal. God, why am I going through what I'm going through? And the voice of God may come back to you and say, don't worry about it. Just keep walking through. There's an old song out there that says, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Are you all okay out there? Walk through that thing. I, I love, I love, I, I love God. Man, I love God. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, I love God. You know, he, you know what I, one of the things I love about God and about this, this wonderful book that we have called the Bible, he puts the good, the bad, and the ugly right in there. Secular philosophy will put in there, oh, just the good. Do you know how many Bibles you can get that will have the bad taken out just so you can focus on the good? They'll highlight all the good stuff. So if you want to peruse I didn't like that part anyway but I loved David said yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil yea though I walk he's saying it's going to happen folks it's not if it's when he said yeah I'm walking through the valley and you know the last time I ever saw a valley it was between two mountaintops that means I might be running from one victory to another victory, but nobody ever yet fell to the top of a mountain. Folks, it takes a climbing effort. I'm walking through this valley, but I love it because he said, it's only a shadow. Did you know something? The shadow of a boxer can't hit you. The shadow of a snake can't bite you. It's only a shadow of death. Do you know why there's a shadow? Because there's a light. You're walking through that puppy. And can I tell you something? People say, well, Pastor, I'm in my darkest hour. Be okay with that because it's still only 60 minutes long. Okay. Do you know something? And you can go home and try this. Some of you, some of you folks that are, that are, that are empirically minded, scientifically minded. Okay. Go home and try this. Take a lamp and take an object and then put another object on the other side of the object you have between the lamp. Hold that lamp up and hold the object up. And when you're far away, there's still a shadow over there. But the shadow is not real dark. Why? Because you have the, you have the, the, uh, the, uh, um, uh, illumination of the light shining around it. 
you have this, uh, I'm thinking of a word and it's evading me. That happens more and more these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm holding this thing out there. But look what happens. The closer I take that object to the light, the darker that shadow gets on that other object. Okay, now let me, let me just do this to you. You are that object way over here. There is a object here. It's called a veil. Okay? And it's the spiritual world. You have this light over here. Guess who is the light of the world? Guess who is the light shining in the darkness? Guess who is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path? Okay? So Jesus has said, don't worry. You say, well, pastor, it's getting awful dark. It's getting awful dark. You know what happens? If you get that darkness close to that light, pretty soon that light's going to burn through and the victory of God's going to be all about you. See, God doesn't always take the shadow away, but it's only a shadow of death. And then he says, you ain't got to be afraid. Now, I know that's not good English, but that's good preaching. Fear not, thou child of God. Is that more eloquent? Did you ever... They have a they have a bush called a bramble bush. Now, a bramble bush is, is truly, in every sense of the word, a, a, a berry bush, a, like a blackberry, raspberry, a, a different berry bush. And you go in there, and if you ever went berry uh, picking line, I've done in my younger years, go pick berries, you, you generally get lots of, lots of pokes because there's all kinds of, of, of struggles and, or uh, thorns and different things. Well, there's another bush that they... They called a bramble bush many, many years ago, and that was the rose bush. Why? Because like the berry bush, the bramble bush has all these thorns and all this stuff. And, and before the, the bush fruits, it is one of the most ugly, hideous-looking patches you will ever find yourself involved in if you ever got into that. I, I love the movie Lion King. Anybody ever see Lion King? Folks, the older I get, the younger I am. Okay, so I I love the lion because down the at that scene where where the the hyenas are chasing uh, little Simba, they go down this hill and Simba pops out of this thing right into a clearing, while the rest of the hyenas pop into this bramble bush. All this great huge thing of thorns that come out with thorns poking out all over them. Well, that's kind of like what it is in this bramble bush scenario that I'm giving you, and it's kind of like what it is in your life and mine. We gotta go through the thorns of life. They kinda cause irritations and pokings. But how many know that Jesus put a thorn as a crown upon his head? He said, I'll shed all that blood for that part of your life too. Think about it, folks. Every piece of Calvary was a piece showing you victory. Well, the bramble bush is a harsh, Horrible-looking plant. But in its glory days, it is one of the most beautiful plants we ever beheld. For the roses are coming through. Ladies and gentlemen, love crucified a rose. And that rose was the rose of Sharon. And that rose rose again to give you and I victory, even in the worst thorns of life. Can somebody say amen?
Yet to do this, Second Peter chapter 3 says that God's patience means salvation. You and I have to go through life. We have to go through this thing called living. This, this struggle I talked about last, last week is, is that many of us have saving faith, but most Christians don't have living faith. And there's a huge difference. Okay, A lot of people get saved just because they want to go to heaven. Well, folks, everybody wants to go to heaven. Well, you've got to die to go to heaven. And long before you physically die, you have to spiritually die. That's why you need living faith, because it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory that is building this life around you. And that's why Peter is writing here. He said, understand, the Lord's patience mean salvation. And that's hard to understand. God, why do I have to go through this? I don't want to go through this. Well, I'm glad you came today because that question is on the tip of your tongue. And we're going to go through the answers to that today. Can somebody say amen? Though life, it's on the screen, though life seems unfair, you know what's happening? God's goodness is working the bad towards the good. As I've shared already in Romans 8, 28, he works all things together, listen to this, not for good, but for the good. The bad may not change, folks, but he will use that bad for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In your notes, folks, it is a fact that wicked people prosper. It is a fact that bad people get good things. This has been a reality since the beginning of time. But why are we amazed? Why are Christians amazed when people that come against them and do bad things to them think that they don't get any judgment? They don't, nothing happens to their lives. Well, the Bible is very clear that God says, I cause the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But we forget that Ecclesiastes chapter 8 says, that many people are bent on doing evil because God's judgment doesn't fall speedily. You can find that in Exodus 8. Because God's judgment doesn't come immediately, people think they got away with something. This is why some Christians will continue to do non-Christian things. Well, God, God didn't do anything, so I, I guess it must be okay. Really? You think... That because we do bad and God doesn't do good, that it's okay? Now we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Though life seems unfair, God's goodness works the bad towards the good. If you continue to do bad, he who knows to do good and does it not to him and his sin. If you continue to do bad, the Bible says our heart gets harder and harder and harder. That's why Jesus told Paul, it's hard to kick against the thorns the pricks, the struggles, the reality, the struggles of life, many are the things that cause us to come to Christ. Well, the wicked enjoy what I call passing rewards. And because we look at them and they think, well, they, they're not struggling, they're not going to church, they're not living for God, and, and they're doing okay, we think that somehow or another that these, these things must be okay, and it tempts us to begin to turn away from God. Yet temporal things, ladies and gentlemen, should not ever cause us to be discouraged. Moses, we, we find recorded from, from uh, the, uh, the, the book of Exodus, 
We, we hear the life of Moses and, and how Moses was going through all these struggles. Look, look at me. When you, when you think you come from a dysfunctional family, think about it, folks. Moses started out as a basket case. Hey, Bob, would you write that one down? They laughed at that joke. I, I don't get that very often. It just doesn't. You know what's going to happen? One of these days, I'm going to tell Bob to write those down, and he's going to show a scored card on the plat- on the screen one. And he said, okay, Pastor, good one. No, I'm, I get, I'm giving him ideas. No, no, Bob, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, anyway, we digress. Moses. You know what the Bible says about Moses in, in Hebrews 11? He said he forsook the pleasures of sin for a season to suffer with the people of God. Folks, people say, well, you know, I don't sin because sin isn't fun. Well, the Bible says it's pleasurable. But it's only for a season. And we think, well, we're enjoying it, and God wants us to have pleasure. Let me take you into God's Word. Psalm 73. I have two portions of Scripture on here, but I want you to open your Bibles because I want you to, to read a larger portion of this passage with me. In Psalm chapter 73, the Bible says these words. In our text and on the screen, it's going to say, when I tried to understand all of this, it oppressed me. I was, it was oppressive to me. Until I entered the sanctuary of God and I understood their final destiny. Whose final destiny? The wicked. So I'm going to back this up. I, I didn't have room in your notes. So I'm going to read it a little bit more out of the Scripture itself. Let's start with the 10th verse. Have your Bibles? Somebody say amen. amen. Therefore, his people turn to them. God's people turn to the wicked because they think they're getting away with something that we're not getting away with. Look what it says here. Okay, And their drink, overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them. Speaking of the wicked. They are always at ease. They increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? How many of you as Christians ever said, why am I dealing with all this stuff? Anybody besides me? Okay, good. We have some honest people in this place. We'll pray for liars later. But anyway, <clears throat> I just threw that out there. It's just right there. Okay? Look what it says here. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands of innocence for nothing? For I am being afflicted all day and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, if I had decided to say these things aloud, look what it says. I would have betrayed God, your people. If you stand up and say, well, it's not a big deal as a Christian to do this, that, or the other thing, and you tell other Christians it's not a bad thing, and they watch your life, and they don't see any judgment coming upon you, and you now start to be the vessel of deception. He said, if I say this thing aloud, I betray your people. If I say one thing and do another, I betray your people. If I call myself a Christian and don't act like a Christian, I betray your people. 
And the psalmist is writing here, and he says, you know, when I tried to understand all of this, and this is the scripture that's on the screen, it seems hopeless. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, my eyes were opened, and I understood their final destiny. Now, I'm going to read on through the end of this passage, and I want you to hear this, okay? Nobody gets away with anything. Nobody is going to have blessing because they choose not to follow God. They just have a delayed judgment. Why? Because God's patient. God's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Are you with me? Okay, so let me, let me continue. Verse 18. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. Who? God puts the wicked who choose to live in their wickedness in slippery places. When you choose to live a life that you want to choose, God says, fine. I've given you that ability. I've given you that freedom. You have a will. God says, fine, if that's what you want to do, if you think you can do these things and get away with it and do whatever you want to do and get away with it, God says, fine, I'll put you in slippery places. And you make them all fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by their terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. Talking about the end of the days. When I became embittered, Now, I want you to listen to this, Christian. I want you to listen to this man, woman of God, that is struggling with these difficulties, that is struggling with this stuff. Why why do I have to go through these things? Why do I? Just because I'm a Christian, just because I'm a church person, just because I've given my life to Christ. Let, Let me read this. When I became embittered, talking about the child, the man of God, the woman of God, because you struggle with things because you are a Christian. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, look what it says. I was stupid and didn't understand. I was unthinking animal, like an unthinking animal towards you. When I got bitter about this, when I got irritated about this, now folks, don't get me wrong. You don't have to be happy about the dark time. You don't have to be happy. But the Bible says, in all things. I'm walking through this valley. You see, God's goodness is that light that even makes it to where you and I might be dealing with the shadow. Because where there's a shadow, there has to be a light. I was thinking like an ignorant animal towards you. Yet, I'm always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll take me up into glory. Who do I have in heaven, Lord, but you? And I desire nothing but you on this earth. My flesh and my heart fail. But God, you are my strength, the strength of my heart, the portion of my life forever. Those far from you will certainly perish You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made my Lord God my refuge. And I'll tell everybody about what you do.
Moses forsook the pleasures of sin for a season. You know what? When we're going through struggles and we're dealing with stuff, I, I look at this message title, God is working out what he's working in. Folks, we're, we're not home yet. God is still developing. God is still building. God is always doing stuff. You, you, do you know what it's like to, to give up on God's goodness for momentary pleasure? It's like the guy that jumped from a 50-story building. He jumps without a parachute. And all the way down, somebody sticks, his, sticks their head out of the 30th floor, 30th floor window and says, How's it going? And he shouts back, So far, so good. We know the end result. We know when we give in to sin. We know when we choose to step away from God's goodness for man's pleasure for a moment. We know the end result. But David said, I'm dealing with this. And I got bothered by this. I even got bitter by it. But it just showed me how messed up I was to think the world's pleasure is better than God's goodness. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God is always telling us to be good. Yet we find that he is limited in explanations. Do we really even need one? Do we really even need one compared to the fact of what he already did at Calvary? You know what happens? When you look beyond the explanations and you begin to experience deeply in yourself the goodness of God, do we really need any explanation? God is working out what he's working in. A.W. Tozier, we quoted him earlier. He made a statement that no one falls further than he or she who gets closest to heaven and turns away. Sadly, because of this world predicament, because of the frustration that we deal with in this world, Many Christians become just like the story, and I left it in your notes because I wanted you to see it for what it is. There's a fox that this man was walking out in the woods, and he found this fox. And the fox had, had lost the use of his back legs, and he couldn't get around. He couldn't uh, uh, fend for himself. And so he saw this fox, and his heart was moved by what he saw, and his compassion came up. And all of a sudden, he think, how does this fox take care of himself? Just then, a giant tiger comes out of the woods with a chunk of meat in his mouth and lays it at the foot of the fox and then disappears into the jungle. And the man thought, wow, look at this. This lion who, who had its fill brought the rest to the fox. Boy, isn't that just like the goodness of God? This man probably thought within himself, and the next day he watched the fox, and he watched the tiger do the exact same thing. So the man sat back and thought, wow, man, God's goodness. That is, so, You know what? I think I'm going to try to be like the fox. I'm going to rest in the corner in full trust of the Lord that he's going to supply all of my need, and I'm going to do absolutely nothing. Well, he did this for many days, but nothing happened. The poor fellow was at death's door because he hadn't eaten in a long time when the voice of the Lord was heard to say, Oh, you who are in the path of error, open your eyes to the truth. Follow the example of the tiger and stop imitating the disabled fox. 
God said we're going to go through it. But we have to take care of ourselves in it. See, God doesn't take care of you in every situation. Now, let me say that before somebody says, Oh, what do you mean? He expects you to do your part. And then when you've done your best, he said, I got it. I'll take care of the rest. Let me put it in modern vernacular. Stop playing the victim, victor, victim, and rise up to become the victor. Start doing something if you want your life to change. Start doing something if you want your life to change. Start doing something if you want your life to change. Stop complaining about what isn't happening and dedicate yourself to what you need to do. I am so amazed at people who said they want a job but don't want to work. It doesn't work that way. Folks, there are some some disabled situations. There are some scenarios. But the reality, the Bible says, he who won't work won't eat. Got to get rid of those thoughts. You all are amazed at some of the things I say. You'd be more amazed if you knew what I wasn't saying. Ladies and gentlemen, there's more going on than what's going on. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Understand, we have to ask yourself, when things are happening, and I put this on the screen because I want you to listen to this. When we see good things happen, how do we know that it's really good? And when we see bad things happening, how do we know that it's really bad? Now, I want you to think about it for just a second. When we see good things happen, how do we know they're totally good? Or when we see the opposite side, bad things happen, how do we know they're totally bad? Remember, God works together for the good. Everything. I read a story one time years and years ago about a farmer who had a horse. He had a mare that did all the farming. It was just the father, his only son, and his wife. Well, the farmer's wife dies, and now it's just the farmer and his son. And they're doing everything. And they count on this mare because this mare was literally the workhorse. Well, one day something happened. A storm came and scared the horse, and the mare ran away. Well, all the neighbors came because they already knew that he lost his wife and and now the son and the father and the mare ran away and they walked up to the old farmer and they say oh farmer man that's 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 really that's really bad and the farmer responded said how do you know it's bad well a few days later that old mare comes back tagging along is a whole herd of horses and the farmer Quickly corrals them. The people were coming. They were just all over the place. They were shouting the victory. They were excited. And they said, oh, oh man, what, what a, what a good portion for your life. And the farmer stops them and says, how do you know it's good? Well, pretty soon the boy, being a strapping boy like he was, he saw this stallion. He said, wow, I'm going to make it mine. So he, he got all, he didn't have his round, his round pin reasoning like I used to break horses, you know, back in the day. Long days. 
But there is a, a guy that developed something called round pin reasoning. And I don't know why I'm even saying that. It doesn't make a difference. Anyway, he wanted to break a horse. And so he gets out there and he's in the, he separates all the mares and, and all the other horses that were a little more docile. He said, I got my eyes on that. And he got up on that, 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 that uh, thoroughbred. He, he got up on that stallion and he says, okay, you and me going to have a talk. Well, the talk lasted about 15 seconds, and guess who wasn't talking anymore? That stallion threw him off. The boy landed and broke his leg. Oh, all the people of the town, they came and said, oh, man, I, we're, that's what a stroke of bad luck. I mean, that's, that is just terrible. And, and all of a sudden, the farmer looked at him and said, how do you know it's bad? A couple weeks later, a war breaks out. The military comes by looking for all the usable horses and all the accessible young men. The young man's in bed with a broken leg. Guess who doesn't go to war? The stallion wasn't usable. Guess who didn't go? All that was left was the son, the stallion, and the farmer. And a future. Because the boy healed and the horse was broke. Instead of an old mare now, he had a strapping stallion that could do twice the work. How do we know that's what's bad in your life right now? How do you know it's really bad? How do you know God's not going to use it for good? How do you know the good that you're dealing with right now is really not the enemy trying to take the carrot and lead you away? How do you know it's really good? Except you bring it to God's word to find out, God, what are you doing? You've got to look at things from the perspective of what God is doing. Because what seems bad could be good. And what seems good, ladies and gentlemen, could really be bad. And unless you take it to the light of God's glory and goodness, you may not be able to see the shadow that's separating and what it's really all about. I shared the story a couple weeks ago about John Wesley and him and this discouraged man were walking through the, the uh, countryside and the man was just overwhelmed and tr- worry and trouble. And, and at the time, John Wesley saw uh, there was a cow back in, 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 in England and in that area of the country. They built walls, uh, fences out of stone and saw this cow with his head laying on top of this stone fence. And, and John Wesley is listening to this man complain about everything. You ever get around those people that just complain about everything and you get around people and you just want to say, can you shut up for a minute? That doesn't apply to anybody in here, okay? But his complaint, and all of a sudden he saw that cow and he looked at all that fence and he looked at it as a teaching moment and he said, sir, do you see that cow over there? You know, the one that has her head sitting on the fence? And the man thought that he was going to get some kind of great revelation. He said, do you know why that cow has her head sitting on the fence? And the man said, no, pastor, Why? And John Wesley, in great eloquence, said, because the cow knows it can't see through the fence. And then he used it to talk to him about his problems. 
As long as all you see is your problems, that's all you're going to see is your problems. When you choose to lift your eyes a little bit more, you'll see God's promises are still there. The problems may not disappear, but if you get your eyes on God's promises, guess what? The shadow of those problems will not seem as dark. Can somebody say amen? God's grace and goodness motivates us. God's goodness, the Bible says, leads us to repentance. I'll talk about that in just a minute. His faith stimulates you and I to look above the circumstances to see that Christ is still in charge of everything. I am amazed at so many Christians who are moved from their confidence. Why is it that when things are going good, we say we freely trust God, but when things start going bad, we want to throw in the towel and quit? Who changed? I remember Olga and Ollie. Olga and Ollie were driving in their truck. It was back in the day when they used to have bench seats. Some of you gentlemen remember those bench seats in your pickup truck in your car. And guess where the lady sat? Right next to you. I mean, she was as close to you. The only thing that was closer to her was that shift knobber. Some of you will get that when you leave. And so she's right next to him. And all of a sudden, uh, a few years of marriage go by. And, and, and Olga is talking to Ollie and says, Ollie, you don't love me like you used to. And Ollie said, what do you mean, Olga? She said, look at the distance between us. We used to sit next to each other. And we used to cuddle each other. When we're driving down the road, we used to be closer than anything. And Ollie just kind of gripped the wheel and bit his lip and said, I ain't ever moved. See, I, I'm sitting. What? What did you? What did you do? <laughs> okay. That's one. Oh, I got thoughts going through my head right now. Push them back. back. Get them gone. (laughs) Folks, why do the struggles change our relationship with God? Did God's goodness become less good? When... I, I. How do you get mad at God? How do you give up on God? Folks, he's the only hope we have. He's the only promise. He's the only victory that is guaranteed. How do we, how do we, well, I'm in this situation. Yeah, because stupid took you there. What do you mean? Talk to the person in your chair. You'll find out. That's one of those thoughts I just couldn't get past my head. They just kind of just... Folks, folks, we get ourselves into those situations. God didn't move. God didn't go any place. But because we live in a politically correct society, we think everything bad is because God's not there. I read a story about a man that was a professor teaching a lecture in a college. It was a Christian college, and he was there, and he was 
proclaiming God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace. And, and he made this statement and it left in your notes. He said, whatever comes into your life or mine, God will work for our good. Well, the class, there was a student who just a few weeks earlier had been involved in a horrific boating accident and he lost his mother. He lost his father. He lost his only sibling and his future wife. He alone survived the crash. Well, there were those in, in the class that were moved by this insensitivity movement and, or the sensitivity movement and how you always had to say you know, the right things that are just encouraging and blessing and, and, and not challenging or convicting. Well, those in the class, they just thought this, 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 uh, this uh, prof was just totally insensitive and, and they were just waiting for the class to, to end for the young man to angrily come up and, and chew the professor out. So when the class ended, nobody left. It's like they were sitting back, oh, he's going to get it now. He's going to get it now. Don't look at me like that because some of you have done that. Just waiting for God to get somebody. Aren't you glad his goodness is better than that? Because he could have got us. Well, the grieving boy came and walked forward to the professor and all the class just knew this was it. And listen to what the boy said as he shook the professor's hand. He says, sir, thank you so much. What you just said is the only thing that makes life worthwhile. And he turned and walked away. Folks, bad things are going to happen to good people. Bad things are going to happen to good people. But God's goodness doesn't change. And God said, I'll keep you in my hand. Just like we talked about last week. Nobody's going to pluck you out. Just don't go jumping out. When you don't like the way things are. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we want God's grace. But we trial with God's justice. What's that mean? God's going to deal with the sin in this world. We live in a fallen world. And God's justice is going to deal with life. Even if that life is yours. And even if circumstances beyond yourself cause uh, consternation in that life. We want God's grace, but we trial with God's justice. We want Resurrection Sunday, but we despise Crucifixion Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you're a sinner or you're a saint, one thing that is true is that God will never be accused of being unfair. God is just. God is merciful. God is gracious. And it may be the bad that God says I will use for good in your lives. Ladies and gentlemen, when I read the scriptures, I find a, a great moral power. And I am made aware of two significant forces that are working in the human experience. And they're working for the good. And those two forces, ladies and gentlemen, are fear and grace. I want you to listen. I wrote this down very specifically because I wanted you to hear this. And I wanted you to hear uh, the, 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 this man that, that went through a horrific life and died a martyr's death. I left it in your notes because I want you to hear this very specifically. Two moral powers, fear and grace. And Jim Elliott said, without the fear of God, I'll never stop doing evil. 
because it is fear that restrains me. It is the fear of God that restrains me from doing evil. But then in the same breath, he said, but without the grace of God, I should have no desire to live a positive, good life. One deters from evil, and the other encourages for good. And they both have to operate in life. This is called living faith. I have to know it's a part of life. Am I making any sense today, ladies and gentlemen? Romans chapter 2. So when you, mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment yourself? You who shows contempt for his riches, kindness, tolerance, patience, not realizing it's God's kindness, his goodness that draws us back. When we start measuring ourselves to the standards of other people, instead of the standards of God's word, do we not think that the struggle gets exacerbated because now we want to blame instead of accept responsibility? I've learned, folks, that the greatest saint in the world is not the one that prays the most or fasts the most. It's not the one that gives the most or is eminently temperate and chaste and, and, and just. But it is literally he or she who is always thankful to God that God's going to do his will and they will live for God's plan. And in God, they will do everything and receive everything for his glory and his praise. Are you with me today? As I wrap this up, I want you to, to look at part three because I'm going to spend not a lot of time, but I'm going to spend a, a segment of time that I really want to break this down. God is working out what he's working in. You and I will never not deal with struggle until the day the Lord comes home. It may be self-imposed. It may be the devil. God will never tempt you with evil. That's what the Bible teaches. But God will allow you to go through things. And he will not always take those things away. See, I learned a long time ago, sometimes God will calm the storm, but more times than not, God will calm the child and let the storm rage because he's going to help us learn something. And there's stuff, folks, that, that we, the only way you can get through it is you've got to get through it. You've got to learn that God's using things, and God is working in what he is working out. I share the story uh, a couple of weeks ago about the little boy who, who really disliked prunes. And his mom was a, a good Christian woman and, and loved, but she, she used a few examples that maybe was a little stretch as most of us Christian parents probably have at one time or another. And, and, and she said, son, you better eat your prunes. And the boy didn't want to eat his prunes. So she told him, well, God is angry at you, son. So you go to bed without dinner now. 
Not necessarily a good thing, but a great point. Soon after the boy went to bed, this, uh, or to his room, this violent thunderstorm broke out and cracking lightning and, and flashes and thunder and all this stuff was, was shaking the whole place. Well, all of a sudden the mom was a little concerned because she sent the boy to bed without his dinner and she was concerned that he was going to be afraid. And she walks up to the, to the door and opens it and prepares to say something and she sees the little boy looking out the window and says, my goodness, all this fuss over a few little prunes. See, God, God is working out what he is working in. Do you know why God is making such a fuss over your life and mine? When he dishes out his goodness and mercy, it's because it is his name that's maligned. When we call ourselves a Christian but choose to not live for God or blame God for something that's happening or not happening in our life. I, I don't know about you, but it seems at times that I know evil much more intimately than I know God's goodness. And that's not good, folks. There's times that your pastor gets frustrated and I get irritated and I get aggravated. And sometimes I, I, I'm praying and I'm saying, God, you better change me or I'm going to kill something. Never gets that bad, but sure feels that bad sometimes. Can I be totally transparent with you? There's times even I want to be made even. See, I learned a long time ago, God not only shut the mouth of the lions, but he's able to shut lion mouths. And sometimes I want God to shut them up. There's times when I'm praying for people, I'm, just, I'm praying, I'm saying, God, let them touch the fires of hell if necessary to get them to heaven. And I've had people, I've had people say, Pastor, you, you can't pray those kind of things. The scripture did. Over in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this boy who's doing this, 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 this horrible sin. He's sleeping with his father's wife. And the church of Corinth is writing to him and said, what do we do about this? He said, duh. I, I got to write it back about, you, you know, I don't even have to be there to judge this thing. And you know what he said is, he said, I pray that his body be turned over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his soul might be saved. It sounds like somebody was praying for somebody to touch the fires of hell if necessary. See, sometimes we have to get all the way to rock bottom before we can ever build a good foundation. And some of us get there simply because we won't look up. Ladies and gentlemen, when the outlook is bad, the uplook is always good. And if I'll take my eyes like that cow and set them above that stony fence, I'll see the promises. I don't have to leave in the, dece- in the defeats. You see, folks, I want to live a life with no blemish and no reason for guilt or fear. I want to stand right in the sight of God. I want to know that I am just and right and clean. And when I know I am that way, you know what I am? I am a man that is thankful to God in the good and in the bad. There's three things that I want to touch on as the worship team comes. When I find 
or what I find is the heart of a man seeking God is a man or a woman that learns and yearns to know God, that wants nothing more than to touch his heart, that wants nothing more to see his beauty, that wants nothing more to, to, to lean to understanding towards a creator. Our need for God was placed in our heart at creation. He wrote eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes 3 tells us. And the need that you and I have, it's on the screen, the need that you and I have is the need to love. And the only way we find that need satisfied is when we find God. Three things real quick. We cannot always define love. We cannot always define love. That's why at, at the wisp of compassion, we'll do unexpected things in unexpected places. We'll reach out when we'd rather keep to ourselves. We'll try to help even at the point of possibly being rejected. You see, our love for God is wordless in our desire to do good. That's why we can't always define this thing called love. We try to put it in some kind of topical outline, but we can't. It's a moment of emotion that overwhelms us. The second thing, it is our need for identification and for belonging that causes this goodness of God to well up in us. You see, we want people to see Christ in us. We want people to see that God is working this. That's why while we're growing, it may be painfully at time. It may be through the darkness at time. Growth happens in our needs, in our confusion, in our imperfection. That's why we so desperately need the goodness of God to help us, to lift us. And we have to allow God to work out all this junk that is called you and me. And he will work out if we'll just let him work in. The third thing is that physical hunger, it leads us to look for food. Well, spiritual hunger, which comes because of growth, leads us to look for God. Seeking God means that we're growing towards God. When we recognize who we are, it is then and only then that we can know who God is. He is our Father. He is our Father. And we belong to Him. What's happening in your life? What is this bad thing that keeps you frustrated? Or this good thing that keeps you separated? Frustrated to want to stand against God. Separated because you're standing away from God. Whether you're Olga or Ollie, don't know. All I know is God never moved. And when we have those times that we feel like 
God is not there. Did God go anyplace? Or is he trying to work out something in your life that draws you closer that he can begin to work in what he wants done in your life? Am I making sense? Folks, been there, done that. Got a closet full of t-shirts. I've had people say, well, Pastor, you, you've got to be beyond all this stuff. Nah, not really. Not so much. I will be. And that trumpet sounds. And he says, come on, it's time. But until then, I like you. I let him work out what he's working in. I'm going to open these altars just for a moment this morning. And I'm going to ask you to be totally transparent, to be totally honest. You've been trying to do it yourself. You've been trying to handle it yourself. You've been trying to work it through yourself. But it just isn't happening. If that's you, you need to get out of your chair and come find a place and say, God, here you go. I'm giving it all to you. I'm laying it all before you. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And it's nothing is changing. As these altars are open, let me read some things that I wrote. When we reach out to him, it's only saying that we're allowing him to lead us and to teach us because we're recognizing him as the one who's in charge of my life. And when we begin to learn that even the bad, God is able to still do good. That's when we learn to hear God's goodness in the midst of the struggle. He touches our hearts with a need in ourselves and a need to reach beyond ourselves. Tough truth is that need sometimes is described as pain, as suffering, as confusion. But that's what he's working out. That we can begin to trust him. Will you let him work in? What he's working out. These altars are open. I wonder if you would say, God, here it is. I lay it before you. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure. Your face, 
Listen to me just for a moment. There's something that we have to understand. God can't do things for you because He has given it to do with you. To walk hand in hand. To stand hand in hand. He gave you the power to overcome everything. His goodness and grace is working out what he's working at. But as long as we are holding the finger of blame, then we can't feel his hand of release. Folks, people do what people do and there's nothing you can do about what people do but you can do about what you do the world's not going to change we have to change in this world and that's when we let God work out what he's working in God we seek your face today We thank you, Lord, for what you're working out. God, as people in this room have come, they've come to listen, to understand, to grow, to develop. God, we live in a, we live in a funky world. And surprised we're not, because it is a world that you said it would be before your return. Help us, Lord, to see you in the midst of the situations, good or bad, help us to see you, to yield our hearts to you, to dedicate our lives to you. God, that no matter what happens, we stand up for you. And we do right in the midst of the wrong. God, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Let's sing this song just a little bit more. Before you leave, nobody looking around, nobody visiting around, nobody getting up. Let's sing this song just a little bit more. Heather, would you please? So give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. God help us. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us I encourage you once again to get here early. Uh, if you're normally here after worship or after this time or that time, I encourage you, get here early. Okay? And uh, don't have a clue what's going to happen, how many folks, 
but I'd sure hate for your seat to be gone. Of course, that won't bother you because you're beyond that, right? Amen. Amen. So come and, and let's see God and, and, and bring your mom. It's going to be a wonderful day of, of just rejoicing and worshiping. Two weeks from now, I'm going to, I'm going to minister. I, I, I usually I try to set up all of our preaching, you know, 6 to 12 months in advance. You people say, well, how do you know what God wants to say? Folks, God wrote the end before he wrote the beginning. I think he knows what he wants to say. And so I try to set these things up and I try to get the mind of God. And I, I do have the mind of God for, for uh, like I said, all into the, the end of the year. But God keeps changing the placing of these things. You say, well, God changed it? No, it's just I didn't hear it really well. I got the message, but I didn't get the direction of where to put the message. And so in two weeks, I am going to begin a series that's probably probably one of the most important series I am going to speak on this year. And is based around the day and hour we live. So you need to be here. Because folks... I like you. I, I hear lots of preaching. I hear lots of stuff, and 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 I, folks, we're not the only church. We're not the only church. We're not the only people that are preaching God's word. But the reality is, we are living in the world that man is so hard used to sway the pulpit. And the way they sway the pulpit is they stop giving. Even in this church, when people allow the frustrations of the world to affect them, the first thing it shows is in the offerings. People stop giving. But I got other priorities. Let me make a statement. You have no priority but Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And if you don't put him first by virtue of your tithe and your offering, why do you even ask him why you're struggling in your finances? Mm-hmm. Amen. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to start a series on finances in two weeks. <laughs> but I am. <laughs> yeah, we can take an offering right now. Okay. But I am saying, ladies and gentlemen, when, when we will not put for God first in all of our life, beginning in that area, how do we expect God to do? Well, God... I keep losing my job. Are you tithing? God, I, I, keep running, I, I keep running out of money before a month. Are you putting God first? <laughs> now, I know this is a little irritating to folks, but God gave me that gift of irritation. I, I'm, I'm good. Actually, it's just simply proclaiming God's Word. And, and in all of this, folks, there are things that are going to bother us, and we have to learn. God, i got to put you first in every area. And so this world is doing everything it can to draw us from God. And the way he affects the church is he affects the people. His ultimate goal is me because I'm the shepherd of this body. Okay, under Christ. And the way he does that. And the way he'll do that, he'll hit my wife. He'll hit my kids, my grandkids. He'll hit our finances. 
Same stuff you're going through. Just the microcosm of what we go through. But we don't stop. We don't change. We don't give in, give up, or give out. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.